1: I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what
0: is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's
2: your host, Stephen K. Bannon.
1: Gary, you told us that this bill would not hit the floor unless... Speaker McCarthy had the votes. It appears that they're pretty confident they've got them.
2: Yeah, it's looking that way. I just talked to the majority leader, Steve Scalise, a few minutes ago as he was walking to the floor, and he told me when these two hours of debate are up, they will vote on this bill today. He told me I would make my dinner reservation if I had one. So they are confident that they've moved enough of the votes in their direction. They don't need to move all of them, but they've got some good signs. The rule for this, kind of the vote before the vote, passed with every Republican who is present today voting for it. That's usually a good sign. The same amount of Republican absences as Democratic absences, which which means Republicans can afford to let uh, three or four of their members who still want to vote no go for a walk and have this bill passed. They are feeling very good about it as I stand here right now.
1: All right, Jake, talk to me about the concessions that were made in that late night meeting last night and, and what it means for something from Biden's Inflation Reduction Act well say it to me Santos Katie George Santos is the yes on this bill now listen here's Aww. a few things to a few things to note number one this bill initially uh, repealed the number of biofuel tax credits in the invest inflation reduction act that really raised the ire of Iowa Republicans and Minnesota Republicans those were mostly stripped and they blunted the impact of a bunch of them those were the two main provisions and then they just gutted a bunch more money from uh, the inflation reduction act for things like, uh, uh, you know, expanded sidewalks for for uh, urban areas, uh, environmental impact stuff for buildings. Listen, Katie, let's be completely clear here. This bill stands zero chance of becoming law. The entire game here is to try to give McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, some leverage. Does it do that? We have no idea. Uh, they just want to get something across the floor to say, we've done our job. Now it's time for the president and the Senate to negotiate. They say they aren't negotiating. So we're, we're, we're turning this chapter over. And I, by the way, I'm a little bit more bearish than Garrett on the votes. I do think they have them. I think it's going to be very close. And I think it's going to take some arm twisting on the floor. That's going to be in the 445 to 515 time frame. Um, I do think they have the votes, but I'm not 100% certain. I agree with Garrett that this would not hit the floor unless they think they had a reasonable chance to get this through. But, Katie, I just want to be abundantly clear here. We still have no no idea how the debt ceiling is actually going to be raised this is just a uh, uh, a show this is just like gamehenge for example uh this is not reality so the next two months are going to be white knuckle katie and there's no way around that gamehenge is a show that i am desperate to see in my
3: lifetime yeah.
4: Welcome to the War Room. It's Wednesday, April 26th, Year of Our Lord, 2023. And if you haven't caught on by now, it's not Stephen K. Bannon hosting. It's Natalie Winters in the captain's chair running the show for today. But Steve will be joining us back at 6 p.m. to host the Battleground edition of War Room. But in the meantime, there's certainly a lot of news that we got to dig into. While we're here in the War Room up in our nation's imperial capital, there is ongoing Debate on the floor about the debt ceiling, this GOP package, a lot of budget measures in there about whether or not to raise the debt ceiling. We'll be giving you coverage as we we hear it. They should be voting imminently, if not voting already on the package. Uh, We should have Congressman Tim Burchett joining us later in the show to break down the vote, as well as some interesting allegations and claims about Hunter Biden. Um, But before we get there, because we know all these issues run together I think it's important to note there's been a lot of talk about the WHO pandemic treaty, and I think that that's an interesting topic, of course. But really, the convergence of this issue with what we see going on on the Hill right now. And what I mean is that COVID-19 caused a lot of excessive spending to the tune of trillions of dollars that really wreaked havoc on this economy. I don't think that's a secret to anyone in the war room posse. But what's so interesting about this WHO pandemic treaty, right, That it basically nullifies any power that our federal government has in terms of declaring pandemics and cedes it to some random bureaucrats of the World Health Organization and their parent organization, which is the United Nations, I don't know, which is scarier. But do you know what else that means? That regardless of this debate over the debt ceiling, over all this federal spending... It means that the WHO, if they want, they can plow the United States into another iteration of reckless trillion dollar COVID spending, causing another havoc, wreaking more havoc on this economy, causing another just chaotic, dismal display of spending here on protocols and policies that we know don't work. So even if they vote to raise or not raise the debt ceiling, doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, if this pandemic treaty passes, the World Health Organization gets a say, not just in our pandemic and public health policy, but our fiscal policy too. And joining me to discuss the really ramifications of what is, I think it's fair to say, entirely botched federal policy when it came to COVID nineteen, we have Stella Paul from American Thinker who wrote a pretty hot, a pretty viral piece Uh, titled, What Happened in Hospitals During COVID? And you make the allegation that hospitals, due to a lot of policies pushed by the federal government, engaged in systematic medical murder. You cite a lot of quotes from the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons talking, and I'll read this quote because it's powerful. Our formerly trusted medical community of hospitals and hospital-employed medical staff have effectively become bounty hunters For your life. Can you walk us through? It's a big charge to make to accuse a lot of these hospitals of murder. Uh, But what you mean in terms of the COVID protocols and how the federal government really kind of enabled this?
5: Yes. uh, Natalie, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm actually not making these charges. Uh, The charges uh, that you that quote is from AAPS, the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons, which I believe is the largest organization in the country of independent doctors. And they uh, are making this claim based on uh, economic incentives, which I can take you through, which the federal government set up. They were Uh, encoded into the CARES Act, which was a $2 trillion federal response to COVID that included huge payouts to hospitals, particularly, and all the economic incentives were for following specific federal protocols. So they had the effect of taking agency away from the doctors on the scene to respond individually with what they've learned from experience and what might work with that particular patient, and instead just railroad everybody, medical staff and patients alike, into the rigid parameters of this federal protocol. uh, I wrote this article uh, using the claims made by AAPS, but also by the fact that we've entered into lawsuit time. There uh, in California, uh, 14 bereaved families have filed lawsuits against three hospitals for wrongful death lawsuits. Uh, for killing their loved ones with what they call the remdesivir protocol. And if you like, I can explain what that is.
4: Yeah, I was going to say, I'd love to get really into the weeds because you pull out, there's a list of bullet points uh, that really shows the incentives for these hospitals to treat COVID-19 a certain way and itemize these cases to really, I would argue, inflate the numbers of COVID-19. Some of these examples, and then I'd love to have you explain more, but added bonus payments for each positive COVID-19 diagnosis. Another bonus for a COVID-19 admission to the hospital, a 20% boost bonus payment for Medicare on the entire hospital bill if uh, physicians opted to use remdesivir instead
5: of ivermectin. Correct. Uh, and that that's a big one right there, uh, it, which is the entire hospital bill got a 20% boost from Medicare if they use remdesivir instead of ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. And probably a lot of your audience is familiar with the fact that uh, those medications, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, were long-standing, safe and effective medications, and they were disparaged, they were vilified, they were denied, and instead, the federal government gave this—you know—absolutely a gigantic boost, 20% on the whole bill, if you use remdesivir, which was a very problematic drug uh, known to have toxic possibly lethal effects on uh, the kidneys and other organs. And continuing with this list from AAPS, uh, Natalie, that you read, there was another and larger bonus payment to the hospital If a COVID patient is mechanically ventilated, so ventilation was a key part of this lethal protocol that the government paid for. Um, And we can talk, there was a specific order in which this uh, protocol unfolded, and we can talk about that if you like more money to the hospital if cause of death is listed as COVID-19, even if the patient did not die directly of COVID-19. So I think we were hearing stories at the time about, geez, somebody came in, you know, in a motorcycle accident and the cause of death was listed as, uh, as COVID. What's that all about? What's it all about is getting paid more money by the federal government. And then the last thing that AAPS uh, lists here is a COVID-19 diagnosis also provides extra payments to coroners. So this, from the moment you entered and had a mandatory uh, test uh, for COVID in the emergency room all the way till the end when your corpse made it to the coroner, extra money was paid out. And it doesn't end there because I do want to say uh, that my husband died. Um, uh, not in a slightly different circumstance. He died in a lockdown New York City nursing home. But after he died, I received uh, a letter from the government. Saying that if I could get a doctor to say that my husband died of COVID, they would pay his funeral expenses. So it it didn't even stop with the coroner; they were paying the family to report uh, a COVID diagnosis to just to to make sure these numbers were gigantic and terrifying.
4: Wow, I got about a a minute or so before I have to let you go, but there's one other interesting point in the article. Uh, You talk about how patients' ability to give informed consent, see visitors, basically be subjected to solitary confinement—I think that's an apt description—was just gone because of some policy manipulations they had done via the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Can you just talk about the quality of life, the quality of patient care? Like I said, we got about a minute before I want to get your coordinates on social media.
5: Well, it was a one-two punch that the government did. They paid off, as we discussed, these huge incentives to treat people this way. And then they took away patients' rights because it was a big, big, big COVID emergency. So you didn't get to have your rights anymore. And so uh, crucially of informed consent, and the lawsuit in California revolves around the issue informed consent, that these patients and families were never informed of the dangers of remdesivir and the other treatments they had. But this was all done with a magical waiver, you, you, patients no longer had the right to have visitation, they no longer had the right for, uh, for informed consent, and they no longer had the right to be uh, with other people, to not be confined in complete isolation, and some might argue taking away informed consent is actually a violation of the Nuremberg Protocols. Indeed. And Stella, where can people follow you and your work? Yes, find me on Twitter, please. StellaPaulNY for New York.
4: Thank you so much for joining us. we're Posse, warm hang room. in there. We got Dr. Naomi Wolf joining us after the break to talk all things WHO, Fauci. Interesting New York Times article there. It seems even the tides are turning over there, the War Room an anti-fouchy for a pretty long time. We'll be right back.
0: Inflation has consequences. As the Fed raises interest rates to combat out-of-control government spending, long-term bonds have diminished in value, crippling banks. Depositors are holding their breath and investors are bailing on bank stocks. Diversification has never looked more important to you. The recent surge in gold prices is directly tied to the extreme market volatility right now. This is why gold has historically been a great hedge against the stock market and against inflation. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, 298-9898 to get a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401ks that are tied to a volatile market into an IRA in physical precious metals, either gold or silver. And here's the best part. It's tax sheltered. Let me repeat that. It's tax sheltered. Text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold today. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold is who you can trust to protect your future. Text Bannon to 989898 today. Take action.
2: Stephen K. Bannon.
0: Niska.
6: Thank you, Madam Speaker, and Representative Vang. If a, a Minnesotan writes an article uh, claiming or arguing that COVID-19 is a Chinese bioweapon that w- leaked from the from a lab in Wuhan, and someone reports that article to the Department of Human Rights, is that something that the Department of Human Rights should put in their uh, bias registry under your bill?
3: Representative Vang. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Uh, Representative Niska. Uh, you know, not all incidents are... Uh, are considered, I guess, violent or um, criminal, as I said before. And so this clearly, if with the rhetoric that we have seen since the pandemic and uh, regarding um, accusing Asians of bringing in the coronavirus, uh, that uh, is bias motivated. And so that can be considered uh, a bias incident. Representative Niska.
6: Uh, thank you, Madam Speaker. I think I heard uh, yes to that. Um, uh, yes to that, which is very troubling to me, um, that, that someone uh, making a, a factual argument uh, along those lines, I think is something that's within uh, political discourse would be uh, included in the Department of Human Rights database. Let me ask you another question, though, if Representative
3: Vang would yield. She will yield. Representative Niska.
6: Thank you Madam Speaker and Representative Vang if a, if a Minnesotan is wearing a t-shirt uh, that says I love JK Rowling and someone sees that and reports them to the Minnesota Department of Human Rights uh, as, an, as an example of uh, gender identity or gender expression bias, is that something that the Minnesota Department of Human Rights should put in this, uh, in this uh, bias database?
5: Representative
3: Vang. Thank you Madam Speaker and Representative Niska. Uh, you know. I think this question will best uh, be answered by the lawyers. I'm not a lawyer myself. I think in the language of the provision, we have uh, looked at the language to make sure that a substantial part of any incident has to be relating to uh, bias and hate and motivated. Um, And so I will, you know, I'm not going to say a yes or no to that question. Um, It is really uh, up to the... Um, those investigating to decide whether there is a stances. um.
4: A government database of hate incidents? We used to joke about that, but it seems like our conspiracy theories are only becoming reality. We used to joke it would be about six months before conspiracy theories came true. Now we're probably at about three, four months max. Well, joining me to discuss that and more is Dr. Naomi Wolf, someone who I think has been warning about this happening really from day one, whether it's COVID or frankly any issue. It seems like the war room would be very guilty. I feel like we'd have a lot of offenders in that government database of committing hate crimes if simply saying that COVID-19 developed in a Chinese Communist Party run laboratory qualifies under that new bill that's in the uh, Minnesota State House. They're debating that provision. Dr. Wolf, like I said, is someone who really has been sounding the alarm, raising the red flags about the convergence of all of this hate speech, misinformation, everything, especially when it comes
7: to COVID. What are your thoughts? Uh, super terrified. Um, can I just ask: Is that bill under discussion? Uh, has it been proposed, or has it actually passed? Is it the law of the land? Do we know? Not to. Not they to put are you on currently the spot.
4: currently no 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 they're they're currently debating it it hasn't passed yet luckily though something tells me we'll get the phone number so the war room posse can give them a call and let them know what they think maybe they can wear their iheart jk rowling shirts while they do so but no they're they're currently just debating it like i said in the minnesota state
7: house oh thank god um well, so many horrific bills coming at us all at once, right? And this is so terrifying. I mean, in a way, this clip is a microcosm of the moment we're in. And these forces are really kind of um, allegorized by uh, this one representative and that other representative. Here you have um, a representative who's advocating. What really scares me is how they all sound like uh, the White House spokeswoman Saki, right, and they all have been trained in that way with the hand gestures, and they do say things like, "Well, I will say when I, when I won't say," and you know, "I will say neither yes nor no to that." I mean, it's this gibberish technocrat speak um, that she's engaging in, but it's also super terrifying because if you read between the lines, this is exactly what Orwell warned about. This isn't a a a, a database of crimes that are committed. This is pre-crime. This is thought as crime. So it's literally an effort to take constitutionally protected speech, which includes hate speech, right? Which includes bias. I mean, my, you know, grandparents' generation marched in Skokie Jews so that Nazis would have the right to say their hateful things. That's, you know, America, the First Amendment doesn't mean that you protect speech you agree with or that you think is nice or friendly or adorable. It means you protect the right of people to say things that you find repulsive. Um, And there are already, as I always say at these moments, Natalie, there are already laws against, you know, threatening violence. There are already laws against, um, you know, premeditated, you know, uh, communications of threats. Uh, I mean, criminal, criminal intent in language is already a crime, right? But this is, she wants to carve out a whole category of um, points of view that she might not like to put that all in a database, which you can be sure they will be the other side's points of view, you know, that they don't like rather than, you know, neutral points of view that might be objectionable. Anything can be considered hate speech. I mean, saying that you don't trust the government could be considered hate speech. But the point is not what they're saying now. The point is the way, and we've seen this looking back in history, 1931, 1932, 1933, what it does is it creates Mm -hmm. a a breach, uh, you know, you start with the most obvious examples of hate speech, right? But then you it just moves imperceptibly to include um, any point of view that could in any way destabilize the people in power. And then you get to roll up your opposition or you get to then add, um, you know, a two-tier society in which people who think the wrong thoughts don't get into certain places or you create, um, you know, penalties you know, fines or other penalties going along with it or business penalties or a mark on your, you know, social media account saying this person is engaged in Minnesota, I'm sorry, yeah, Minnesota thought crime. Um, So it's terrifying. And what's really scary to me as an American Mm -hmm. is that you see Uh these two representatives trying to nominally talking to each other, nominally in a state house, but they're really inhabiting two different worlds now that have nothing to do with each other. She's purely in a communist regime, you know, purely uh, aligned with communist and Stalinist um, protocols around stripping people of their intellectual liberties. And and here's this poor guy going, Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is America. This is disturbing. Hold on a minute. Um, So, that's what's terrifying, that that's where we are right now. Um, people want yeah. to switch our whole culture and regime to a Marxist um, uh, situation in which we don't have free speech.
4: Yeah. No, you, you talk about a two-tier society. I think it's fair to say we lived through one, right? The, the unvaccinated and the vaccinated, and the person who was primarily responsible for that was none other then Anthony Fauci, I remember, not too long ago, they were trying to ram through these scientific papers that were uh, advocating that if you criticized Anthony Fauci, you should be found guilty of a hate crime and thrown in jail and fined and the whole nine yards, just ridiculous. But interestingly enough, it seems like the New York Times might be engaging in some, some wrong think when it comes to, the course, a former director of the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases. And if you want to talk about, too, the new report that you have out, because I think it speaks to how Anthony Fauci got so much wrong, and that's not just me saying that, that's the New York Times, too, but there was a really interesting piece a few days ago in the New York Times magazine, the title, not warroom.org, the New York Times, Dr. Fauci looks back. Something clearly went wrong. That's a direct quote. From Mr. Fauci, we don't call him a doctor here because he's not one. But Dr. Wolf, what are your thoughts on the New York Times sort of doing a 180? And like I said, we got a few minutes before we have to jump to break. I'll hold you over. But if you want to talk about the new report you have out of the Daily Cloud,
7: thank you. Um, yeah, I hate the time so much, Natalie. At this point, <laughs> um, so if you look at this piece. It nominally what they're doing is covering themselves as the winds shift. And I do think, as I always say to Steve, the war room has had a huge uh, uh, impact on why the winds are shifting in this regard. But as these crimes emerge with these forced injections, forced lockdowns, you know how pointless they are. I think another set of studies have, co- have come out showing that masks, you know, hurt children and so on. Um the, The New York Times is trying to kind of wheedle itself into the right side of history, even though they've been the tip of the spear of the wrong side of history throughout the pandemic. If you read this piece, it's pretending to be critical of Dr. Fauci, but it's really giving him every opportunity to whitewash his crimes and to chalk them up as, well, things we didn't know. Well, we have to prepare better next time, you know, shades of the World Health Organization sending in their own stormtroopers in the next Pandemic that they have the right to declare. If this uh, signing of this treaty goes through, um, you know the, he, he he gets to say, "Gee, nobody's perfect." Uh, but the actual criminal offenses, the treason and treason, may I remind everyone, is a capital offense in our country—life, life in prison, or or a capital capital offense. Um, that none of that is is touched. So I, I do see it as. Um, the, the a perfect example of New York Times weasel words people will get the impression that it's critical of Dr. Fauci but um, really there's nothing of substance holding his feet to the fire in the piece in my view
4: we got about a minute before we got to jump to break but if you want to give us a little bit of a tease on uh, what you guys have found over at the Daily Cloud and I also hear you guys I'm not surprised War Room was banned on YouTube a very long while ago but I guess there might be some more censorship coming your way on YouTube, at least.
7: Unbelievable, Natalie. The wonderful Amy Kelly, our wonderful project director for the War Room Daily Clout 3500 Experts, she gave a thoroughly factual presentation of facts that are in the Pfizer documents um, on a podcast, and YouTube banned her. I
4: think it's probably the highest badge of honor. That's the ultimate level up when you get banned. A fact check's pretty good, too. Speaking of fact checks, someone who needs to be fact checked a lot, we'll have Mike Davis joining us and Representative Tim Burchett. We still got Dr. Wolf. We'll be right back after the break.
0: For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China A lot of people complain about the state of our country or the way woke corporations treat us and their employees, but it's not enough to complain. We need to change the way the marketplace works. And that starts with you and where you actually spend your money in less than a year, public SQ has grown to be the largest platform of patriotic freedom, loving businesses the world has ever seen. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop, they took a stand against COVID mandates or a bank, That would never counsel you for your political views. Public SQ is your guide. Public Square connects freedom-loving Americans with the community and businesses they share their values. Here's the best part. It's absolutely free to join. Just go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com and download their app today. Simply create an account and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can support you. We can't always change the world, but we can change how and where you spend your hard earned dollars. Begin your search at Public Square today. That's publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. Take action. Stop giving your money to people that hate you and your values. Go to publicsq.com. Host Stephen K. Bass.
4: think there's any coincidence that that bill about creating the government database of hate incidents is in Minnesota? I'm pretty sure there's someone who comes on the show quite a bit named Mike Lindell, who happens to be from there and have his company and all of his employees headquartered and they work out of there. Maybe they're doing it. Something tells me that Mike Lindell would appear in that database quite a lot because he is such a good fighter for election. Integrity is also a great manufacturer of pillows, specifically the MyPillow 2.0. By now, you know the drill. You gotta use promo code Warroom. You gotta go to the website, check out the special little square or rectangle. I'm not exactly sure what it looks like, but I know they're always updating it with the newest and the latest deals. I know he's always talking about the sheets. I always am talking about the beach towels, but make sure you go to my pillow, and of course, as always use promo code war room something tells me that'll pretty soon be added to the government hate database if you use promo code war room so use it while you can dr wolf while we still have you while we're so lucky to have you um i'd love to to get your your thoughts or actually just to get the report itself uh you you talk about i think it has to do with vaccines or I'm unclear. The producer just sent yeah. me the report. But can you just talk about what you guys have found over at Daily Cloud?
7: Sure. It's my, uh, you know, my regular horrors of the injection um, report from the War Room Daily Cloud, uh, Pfizer documents research experts, 3,500 experts. And this is report 68. And it's about vasculitis, which is an inflammation of blood vessels. You all know by now that with this injection, um, blood vessels are often compromised. So what uh, the team found, and this is um, Dr. Barbara, I'm sorry, Dr. Barbara Garrett, Joseph Garrett, Dr. Joseph Garrett, Dr. Chris Flowers, and Lori Britt are the authors. So they found that vasculitis adverse events occurred in the first 90 days after the Pfizer mRNA vaccine rollout. 34 cases, including one fatality, half, and you will recognize this from four other reports now, half had onset within three days of injection. And again, you'll recognize this, 81% of the sufferers were women. Again, it's a war on women. Yet another example, eight out of 10 were women. So they found 34 vasculitis events, uh, 81% women, as I mentioned, onset time as early as 24 hours to 19 days with half occurring within three days cause effect. Systemic vasculitis is difficult to treat. It often cannot be cured. 32%, many people have reported this, vasculitis adverse events were related to skin rashes, um, hypersensitivity, and palpable purpura. So people have had all kinds of weird rashes on getting these injections, skin problems, and this explains some of it. 35% of these adverse events were marked as not resolved, ongoing, at the end of these three months of the study. Pfizer received reports of three cases of giant cell arteritis, a serious autoimmune disease of the large large blood vessels that can lead to blindness if not quickly treated, Three cases of peripheral ischemia, inflammation of blood vessels to the point of impairing blood flow, were reported. Two cases of Bechette's syndrome, a type of vasculitis with mouth, skin, and genital sores, often accompanied by eye inflammation and blood clots, were reported. And last horror, one instance of Takayasu's arteritis, a very serious and rare disease where the aorta and its main branches uh, are typically inflamed was recorded. Um, after all of these horrors, Pfizer concluded, quote, this case review does not raise new safety issues. Surveillance will continue, end quote. And they kept going.
4: I don't know what's worse having to listen to. Tiffany Justice and all the Moms for Liberty go through the horrible stuff and these children's books and all the stuff they're cramming down their throats or all these side effects. And these vaccines and all these COVID protocols and therapeutics, whatever they are, it's all it's all so so bad. And before before we let you go, though, I'm curious, because I, I think there's no better example of what you've been worrying about for a very, very long time uh, than the WHO pandemic treaty um, in terms of really overriding American sovereignty. In favor of a couple bureaucrats out in the World Health Organization, because as we know, they did such a good job with COVID-19. They've been so transparent and they really held the Chinese Communist Party accountable. And I totally trust everything that they have to say when it comes to vaccines and boosters. Not quite. What are your thoughts? Again, we're, we're pushing up. I, I think Congress is maybe going to start enacting in, in or at least having a vote on some legislation that will not allow Joe Biden to unconstitutionally enter us into this treaty, which is what it is. We'll call it for what it is here, a treaty. Um, but what are your thoughts on just the, the guiding principles, the guiding ideologies behind
7: it? Nothing's more important right now, Natalie, than this issue. Um, uh, the, the Sovereignty Coalition, to which I'm an advisor with the wonderful Reggie Littlejohn and Frank Gaffney, um, of course, who've talked about this here, Uh, are doing something wonderful, which is saying, let's just withdraw from the World Health Organization altogether. And when I was back, when I was, a you know, died in the world liberal media darling, not so long ago, um, I thought that was crazy when President Trump proposed it. Um, And now I think it's going to save us from this coup by health authorities. People have to understand, um, you know, if this treaty goes through, we tomorrow can see uh, the construction of quarantine camps in every state. I just got off the phone and a podcast with Australia. The country's spirit is broken. They have no more democracy. And there are quarantine camps where people can be dragged off for up to two years and vaccinated against their will and kind of held held away from the rest of the community uh, based on the decision of public health authorities. We narrowly avoided that in New York State. Governor Hochul wanted to Uh, create quarantine camps. Um, Well, if this treaty goes through, um, you know, the World Health Organization slash China slash the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, because they're all the same thing, will be perfectly free to set up quarantine camps in every state and drag us off there, separate us from our children. I'm not exaggerating. Forcibly inject us with whatever they want. And now there's a new uh, regulation saying you can call anything a vaccine, right? RFK Jr. has um, called attention to that. Um, And, you know, move on to uh, the criminalization of thought, you know, this goes along with the discussion we saw in the Minnesota uh, state house. They're trying hard to health authorities are trying hard to criminalize um, or to stigmatize uh, dissent as a mental health condition, like criticizing the government as a mental health condition. Well, if you add mental health to your list of healthcare issues, then the WHO can drag off anyone like you and me that they can call um, mentally ill because we have the mental illness of thinking for ourselves and criticizing the state and criticizing Dr. Fauci, criticizing China. So it'll be literally the coup will be complete. and. Uh, you know, as I said to the Australians, thank God for the Second Amendment. I think that's the only thing keeping us from being Australia right now, being Canada. These people are broken. They're broken in spirit. There's no resistance. There's no hope. Um, and they were so much like us three years ago. Literally, if this treaty goes through, nothing will except you know, peacefully, except the Second Amendment and the First Amendment and the Constitution will stop us from being, you know, so soon, like China, like like Australia, like Canada, in in terms of everyone living in fear and everyone, I mean, there's a bill that Senator Kim Thatcher just sent that they're trying to pass in Oregon that would let children agree to uh, vaccination of any kind, that would allow children to have abortions without their parents being told, and that would allow a, a baby to uh, be born, to to be exposed and die. Um, this is a real bill. So this is the kind of health care we can expect in the United States uh, from the people who harvest organs Uh, from their own people. And we have to defeat it.
4: Dr. Wolf, where can people follow you and keep up with your
7: work? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the great news. Yes. Where (laughs) can people get more of it? (laughs) Um, Well, together we will prevail. Uh, So you can please, everyone, rush to order the War Room Daily Cloud Pfizer Documents paperback. It's right there on the right-hand side on dailycloud.io. We've sold out three times, but now books are being reprinted. You can get your book. Um, Please give it to your doctor, to your loved ones, to your elected officials. So important. You can find me on dailycloud.io or on Naomi Wolf's substack or on uh, Naomi Wolf Getter and Twitter.
4: Thank you so much for joining us. You guys probably know me formerly as an investigative reporter. I joke, war room is my day job. Investigative reporting is my night job. I like to stay up late, and it's how I write my best stories. I just host when I have to for Steve. You guys know I try my best. I know I'm no Steve, but I try my best. But it's interesting because, we t- at least in my old reports, a lot of it had to do with infiltration of the United States government by the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, of course. But what's really interesting and what I've been focusing on now is how a lot of these other, I would say, almost equally nefarious, if not frankly, they're just a proxy, they're an offshoot, three-letter organizations like the WHO, the WEF, have also infiltrated the Biden regime. And what's really interesting, something that I haven't yet broken on War Room, is that, believe it or not, Joe Biden's senior director for global health security and biodefense, if you read his resume, he basically touts himself as the top advisor to Joe Biden on pandemic security and all things public health and all things health, all things vaccines. Well, believe it or not, he used to be a senior advisor to the World Health Organization and not just any old branch of the World Health Organization. The actual branch, the actual body of the World Health Organization that was responsible for creating the pandemic treaty in the first place. They made a blueprint. They made sort of a white paper back, I believe it was 2020, 2021, where they called for a treaty-like document to be the solution, the panacea to everything, all the chaos that COVID-19 caused when, frankly, COVID-19 proved that populism and not ceding national sovereignty to groups like the WHO and the WEF was the way To go, but alas, it seems like we have an infiltration of the Biden regime all the way at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue to all the other agencies by a lot of people who used to work at the World Health Organization, a lot of people who used to work at the World Economic Forum. They just put a very high level advisor to the Department of Transportation as someone who used to serve on a very, very high ranking position in the World Economic Forum. No conspiracies, no coincidences, but you never know. But I think we have Mike Davis down the line, or, or do we have Representative let's, let's Burchett? Yeah,
6: do the
4: right. I think we have Representative Tim right, Burchett right. joining us. If yeah. we do, yeah.
2: Put him yes. On the
4: box. Yeah. Awesome! Thank you so much for joining us. I think Thank you're hot you. off the floor. We got about two minutes before we got to jump to break. Um, can you give us the latest on the vote on what's happening?
2: Yeah, there are currently four Republicans that are no. Um, I don't know where it's going to end up. Um, they're holding the, the, I the vote pretty hard right now. I've been to no know consistently from the beginning. I just, uh, the current so-called savings plan, and I got jumped by a so-called conservative reporter earlier, and they said, I can't believe you're voting, voting for the largest tax cut. And it was not a cut. It's a, it's a cut in the rate of growth. And that just it's still growing at a crazy amount. And um, over the next 10 years, this current plan will add 19 dollars to our debt and to me that's not fiscal conservatism we've got to we've got to do better and uh I, I just i don't go in too much for the trickery or any of that stuff i just you know the people in east tennessee save their money tennessee's a balanced budget state you know dadgummit this this country's going to have to get to it and it's got to start now because we're we're doing an injustice to our grandchildren and great-grandchildren with this Shouldering them with or we're just destroying this entire country and it all just goes to pass because we're acting like a bunch of spoiled brats with your daddy's credit card.
4: Indeed, sounds like we got four no votes. Hang with us through the break if you can, Congressman, if you can't, no worries. We got Mike Davis joining us after the break to talk all things Supreme Court. I think the Congressman unfortunately had to leave us. But that is called live news breaking on the spot. We got four no votes so far. Don't know how it's going to play out. But like you said, you can't keep maxing out daddy's credit card. We'll be right back.
0: I don't know about you. It takes a lot to shock me these days. But to see our judicial system resemble a third world banana republic, to see trusted American companies embrace insane and destructive woke ideologies is frankly depressing. We must fight back. And that starts with changing the way we spend our money. For years, big mobile companies have been dumping millions into leftist causes, and we had to take it because there was not another option. Well, there is one now. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks, so you get the best possible service in your area without the woke propaganda push by leftists working hard, to destroy this great country. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you support free speech and religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and our military and veterans and first responders, the heroes. Now, Patriot Mobile's 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Bannon. That's patriotmobile.com slash Bannon, or call them at 878 patriot That's 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code BANNON. Ask about their coverage guarantee while you're there. This is patriotmobile.com slash Bannon, or call 878-PATRIOT. Take action today. Stop giving your money to people that hate you and hate what you stand for. Back the only Christian conservative wireless provider. Patriot Mobile, take action today. The new social media taking on big tech. Protecting free speech and cancelling cancel culture. Join the marketplace of ideas. The platform for independent thought has arrived. Superior technology. No more selling your personal data. No more censorship. No more cancel culture.
1: Enough. Getter has arrived. It's time to say what you want, the way you want. Download now.
4: I know the War Room, we're always talking about credit cards and limits and spending and don't max out your credit cards. And of course, I agree with that, except when it comes to one company, and that's MyPillow. You should definitely buy all that you can from MyPillow, and we can get you a really good deal here at the War Room because we have a very, very nice, I'd argue, the best promo code for you to use, Promo code War Room, and while you're falling asleep on your pillow, we right now we're going to do a combo of our sponsors. You could fall asleep reading the end of the Dollar Empire from Birch Gold. How's that for a truly War Room evening? Maybe you can even catch Battleground, like I said. Steve will be joining us back at 6 p.m. to take the reins back from me and do his hosting, which he does so wonderfully. Could only hope to one day be as good as him. But in the meantime, we got a few minutes. To spare to talk to none other than the legal flamethrower that is Mike Davis, who's been coming in very hot on Twitter talking about all things Supreme Court. Mike, can you give us sort of the latest what's going on in that theater of war?
8: Yeah, so thank you, Natalie. So President Trump transformed the uh, Supreme Court and the critically important federal courts of appeals for the first time in 90 years. We have a constitutionalist majority on the Supreme Court and the lower federal courts of appeals that will keep the government in check, and that will protect our First Amendment right to speak, to associate, to worship, our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. The Democrats don't like this because that is the last line of defense. The Supreme Court is the last line of defense that protects the American people from government overreach and tyranny. So what the Democrats are trying to do now is, for the first time in 90 years, they're inventing these ethics issues, these ethics problems that these justices supposedly have on the Supreme Court. To try to delegitimize the conservative constitutionalist Supreme Court, uh, so they can uh, so they can try to cow the justices and they can try to push their radical agenda like court packing, impeachment, term limits. Next Tuesday, the Senate Judiciary Committee is having a hearing. Uh, Dick Durbin and the Democrats are holding a bogus hearing to try to claim that the Supreme Court uh, needs an ethics uh, needs a new ethics regime so they can use that ethics regime to beat on these conservative justices. We're seeing that with Clarence Thomas, we're seeing that with my former boss, Justice Neil Gorsuch, we saw that with Kavanaugh. It's just constant lies, manipulation, smear, misrepresentations of the facts and the law because they know that the Supreme Court is the last line of defense.
4: I know lawfare no law. is a tactics that tactic that is very beloved by the Chinese Communist Party. It's written in to PLA military code. But it really seems like the left has focused in on the American legal system, both public and private sector, to sort of advance their agenda. I think we see this going on right now with, of course, the Biden DOJ. Why do you think that is? And also... Two, what's the latest on the front of the Biden DOJ in terms of the whistleblower and Hunter Biden and all things money laundering, tax evasion, sex trafficking, human trafficking, the list goes on. I could probably talk for the rest of the show about all the crimes Hunter Biden has committed. But where do we stand on that front and why is the left so intent on weaponizing the legal system here in the United States?
8: They're so intent on doing it, Natalie, because they're so effective at it. Because Republicans are so weak and stupid, and we don't fight back against this. So the Article Three Project we fight back every day, but it seems like it's a lonely fight, uh, fighting back against the Democrats' lawfare and their weaponization of the uh, of, of of law enforcement. Whether it's the uh, U.S. attorneys' offices around the country, the FBI, local uh, Soros-funded DAs around the country, they're doing it against Trump. Trump's top aides, including Steve Bannon, Trump supporters, parents who are protesting at school board meetings, Catholics who are praying outside of abortion clinics. Now they're even going uh, going after Supreme Court justices after they terrorized the Supreme Court justices and their families last summer. So this is never going to end. The only way we're going to stop this is if we give the Democrats a healthy dose of their own medicine. We have to take out the gloves, put on the brass knuckles, break their glass jaws, and uh, Democrats only respect power. So we need to start giving them a healthy dose of their own medicine with our own lawfare, with our own ethics complaints, with our own lawsuits, with our own Republican appointed state attorneys general, Republican. DAs, Republican prosecutors around the country starting to prosecute the Bidens and other Democrats for their real crimes instead of the fake crimes that they concoct to go after Trump, Trump's top aides, Trump supporters, and now the Supreme Court.
4: Why are Republicans doing this? There seems to be such a double standard, and it's compounded by the fact that. The crimes that the Republicans are committing aren't actually even crimes. Meanwhile, you have the Clintons, basically everyone who's part of the establishment will throw the Bushes in there too, actually engaging in corruption and and punishable offenses, but they seem to be getting away with it. Why are we so weak on the right when it comes to actually using substantive lawfare against these, I'll call them what they are, traitors? Got a a few minutes, two minutes before I got to let you go.
8: I mean, that's a very good question, Natalie. You have to ask, where is all the money on the right, particularly on the legal fight on the right, and what are they doing with this money? Why are we not spending this money on lawyers and research and lawsuits and ethics complaints? It seems like we we spend a lot of money, we piss away a lot of money on TV ads and making people very wealthy so they can buy their second and third homes instead of actually getting into the fight. And it it feels like the Republican Leaders in the legal fight now are controlled opposition. They're like the string orchestra on the Titanic. The mm-hmm. ship is going down, and they want to look majestic <laughs> as it's going down. We need to start fighting back or we're going to lose our country.
4: Indeed. And speaking of fighting back, if people want to stay up to date with what you're doing and your work, where can they follow you in the Article 3 Project?
8: I appreciate that. It's article3project.org, article number 3 Project dot org at article three project at article number three project on getter twitter and truth and my personal is at mrd dmia mrd dmia and i'll tell you the supreme court fight is starting to heat up people need to get engaged follow us online and uh, and it's going to be it's going to be a brawl here in the coming weeks
4: thank you mike And just in time for the end of War Room, we got some breaking news via Reuters. U.S. House narrowly passes Republicans' debt ceiling bill that aims to spark negotiations with Biden on avoiding default. Make sure you head over to warroom.org to keep up with the latest stories. We're pumping out content, churning out content. Speaking of the Capitol, do you know some Hunter Biden-linked lobbyists actually want to build a display there? To highlight Russian war crimes and how Ukraine is just so innocent and so oppressed using, of course, your taxpayer dollars. And these are people, like I said, whose names are all over the Hunter Biden hard drive, hardcore Biden cronies, good old corruption. Maybe we'll see some indictments for that. I won't hold my breath yet. Head over to battleground.
0: War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, Unplugged.com. That's Unplugged.com slash War Room to install the Unplugged suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Solti. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart.